This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Wednesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 108 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and as always I'm joined by Graham Steele. Graham, how's it going? Good, thank you. And a very, very, very warm welcome to Shona Duthie. Shona, one third of the NFL Podcast End Zone Scoop. Shona, your debut ABZ FP appearance. How's things? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about, well, well. Maybe some parts of the dawn season, latterly. <laughs> Indeed, absolutely. And of course, you've just come back from uh, Dingwall this evening after that absolute howitzer of a playoff final. Uh, how was that tonight? Yeah, so <clears throat> I was quite impressed with the county fans because normally they're quite, you know, quiet and like you can't really hear them because the way end is always like buzzing. Every time I've been at Dingwall for an Aberdeen County game, I feel like the way fans always get the, get to, you get to hear the loudest noise, kind of like, well, not always like I don't make away games, but especially in Dingwall because it's so small and you're so close to the pitch. But they were really like in fine form. And then when they scored their second, they just went mental. Like you could think they would think there was like six thousand of them, and there was only two. <laughs> like so, it was really good. Like just to see it from their their sort of perspective, and like and then they obviously won on penalties, which was horrendous because there was like I think both I think Party ended up missing three, and then County missed two. <laughs> It just didn't end. The run of penalties towards the end of the shootout, there was some of the worst penalties I've ever seen, which yeah. was amazing. I loved it. As a neutral watching it, it's always what you want to see, isn't it? Anyway, there we go. In a week that saw Partick Thistle, we've just talked about it, do the most Partick Thistle thing imaginable and somehow produce a collapse bigger than hearts to ensure that the Mallard lives on. And that saw big Dave Cormack hitting the Riocas early on Saturday night to have the hordes of Jambos on strings it is a fairly busy one here on the ABZFP. And before we get on to the first part of our end of season review with Shona, let's look at a couple of things quickly that have come out of this week, shall we? So first of all, the Dons in Europe, obviously um, we we knew this was confirmed after the result against St. Byron a couple of weeks back, but Celtics win over ICT means that the Dons will now enter Europe, uh, Europe in the Europa League playoff round, which of course means guaranteed European football until Christmas as even defeat in the Europa League playoffs means we drop into the Conference League group stages and with leagues and cups and all that malarkey finalising across Europe as well it does mean that some permutations are beginning to emerge this Sunday evening as to who we could face in the playoff stage so tonight now confirmed the Dons will sit in pot number one for the Europa League playoff draw alongside Ajax Lask, uh, Kukariki, Belgrade I know I've got that pronunciation wrong there's no danger I've got that right At least you took it on 
tried it. I've had a couple of beers. It's fine. Uh, Zoria Luhansk and Union San Gilwa. Oh, that was that was a good that was a good one there. <laughs> there we go. That's my, my, I've it. had my wife's been having to like properly like give me some training on that tonight. So there we go. So out of that pot, three of those sides will be drawn to play the sides who sit currently in pot four. And at the moment, they're likely to be Slavia Prague, Olympiakos. And that's subject to both of those sides progressing from uh, qualifying round three or Lugano of Switzerland, who are guaranteed to be in pot four. So 50% of the teams in pot one will play one of those three teams in pot four. And then the remaining three sides in pot one will meet three sides who are drawn from pot three. Why do UEFA have to make this so fucking complicated? I don't know. Anyway, so in pot three at the moment, that's currently projected to be Astana of Kazakhstan, Maccabi Haifa, Zalgiris Vilnius, a potential reunion with the Lithuanians, HJK Helsinki or Flora Talent. So I tell you what, if you get the luck of the draw and you ended up with one of the pot three sides, especially like of Vilnius, HJK or Flora Talent, you might be pinching yourself on that one, given the sides we've been pitched against in the past for playoffs of the Europa League. Now, the draw for the Europa League playoff round is not until the 7th of August, so we've got loads of padding to do. It's still just the start of June. The first leg of the playoff round, 24th of August, the second leg the week after. So, Graham, Shona, the big question now is, what do you want? Do you want the Europa League groups or are you happy just to settle for the Conference League groups? Europa League? Yeah, I think we got to go for it. you got to go for it, you know? Like, I, I mean, probably we'll get drawn like Liverpool and um, Ajax and, you know, the rest of them in the, in the, in the group stages, but it's all right, European football. <laughs> do, you, what, do you fancy Europa League's not to get, what, maybe, maybe, maybe somehow jam your way to third spot and end up dropping into the Conference League anyway? And then... Yeah, that'd be all right. I'll working your way through. I think... Obviously, there's more pure money available from being in the Europa League from a starting point perspective. I think you're guaranteed around 3.6 million euros versus 2.94 million in the Conference League. But then the win-draw fees are slightly closer together. So are you more likely to generate more cash in the long run by maybe getting a decent run in the Conference League, winning a couple of games? I don't know. I think we're... I'm just going to be greedy. I want the Europa League because it's... You the big names. Be better. Yeah, I want, I want the big names and let's go and show them how it's done. <laughs> or, or not depending on how things go I feel like as well like you know I said last week like oh West Ham's in the conference league final like when is it and everyone's like huh and I'm like <laughs> I'm like oh, I'm, a, I'm a, like well you know you know the team down in London like they're playing in the final the conference league and they're like I thought that that'd be a done and I'm like no <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because remember when the conference league came around everybody assumed this was going to be like this competition for jobbers to be in, right? And it would be the absolute dross of Europe would somehow find its way into the finals. But of course, Roma won it last season. You've got Fiorentina against um, West Ham in the final this season. There's some big names in the Conference League already as well next season. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Plus, on top of the cash that comes at Europa League Conference League, whatever way you look at it, you get the bonus of the additional coefficient ranking splits and then a share of the TV pool cash. And on a pure prize money hard Davy data dollars perspective hearts seem to gain around four and a half 4.7 to 5 million pounds from their adventures in europe last season that's before you factor in you know additional gate receipts for games that's just pure prize money out of the games themselves that's a potential game changer isn't it for club academy i think it'd be massive you think there's a lot of rebuilding to do in the summer and this will be much needed even just the sort of prestige etc and say you could actually do something about it and still keep going in the league if you got third the following season you're you know, obviously it takes a few seasons but you're almost in danger or 
in the situation where you create a little vacuum, you're not going to catch the top two, but if you could build a bit of a buffer to fourth and below, you know, it kind of finances itself to a degree. Yeah. And I think Aberdeen were um, really smart to get like Alan Burroughs in on board because I feel like um, I interviewed him a few weeks ago and when he was chatting about it, he was like, yeah, we have to big rebuild, but we are going to be a club that are going to be, you know, we don't have to sell and we're going to be hard to negotiate with and we're going to go for European football. Like that's what we expect. And we know that's what the fans expect and that's what we're aiming for. And I think they want to be like a top 100 European club. Um, so I think being in the competition can help them, yeah, money-wise, but also creating that legacy that they want to build themselves like at the club in the, in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at this prize money this season in the SPFL, um, I think it's, it's, it's pretty much the difference for Hearts to Aberdeen is that 4.7 million, 5 million mark. Um, and Graham, you're right. If you could somehow build on that and build on that and, and do that, you know, repeat on that every 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 season, you do start to have that opportunity to, to pull away, I think. And I remember speaking to the guys from, it was either Joel or it might have been Rob Borthwick. I can't remember which, which one of the terrace boys it was we spoke to about this, but Hearts seemed to have had to sink quite a bit of that cash they made as well into, or they seemed to have sunk a lot into things like um, stadium improvements for being in the conference league. Um, they seem to have real. I thought challenges. you were going to say like Robbie Nielsen wanting to like do his hair and play golf rather than do training. <laughs> this as well. I enjoy the fact you've got that that scoop as well, Shona. It's great. I enjoy this. Um, <laughs> for, for his for his trip to Turkey for his hair transplant and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they also seem to have sunk a lot of money in terms of like transport and not knowing how to really like arrange themselves around Europe and I know this is a joke that comes about Stephen Gunn a lot I'm sorry Stephen but we've got the best travel agent in the business already at Aberdeen in, in Stephen Gunn being that's what his job was before and he was ultimately very very good at it so like you'd like to think we won't see those um those types of problems anyway that's the exciting part done is Europe um guaranteed till Christmas at the at the end of the day and uh, Ga, uh, Graham, you, myself, and Gav have already had to be chatting to the AB24 apparel manufacturers here around the fact that uh, we'll need some autumn winter wear as well for the European range that's coming out soon. I want branded Lilos. <laughs> or sombreros. Yeah, and you've got yeah, some... Maybe some armbands, you know. Okay, yes. Yeah. In the winter, you guys are mental. Anyway. You never know where we're going to end up. You never know. You never know. Let's move on. Other news from AB24 this week. Uh, the signing of Nikki Devlin from Livingston, the worst confirmed secret, finally out there, finally confirmed. Shona, Graham, your thoughts on the signing of Livingston's captain? Handled quite well by the press department. <laughs> They're quite funny announcements. Um, no, I think he'll be, I think uh, he'll be a solid player. I'm not, it's not, I'm not particularly excited. That's not to put him down. It's just, I was, you know, you're looking for maybe your bigger money signings come the summer, but uh, I think he'll do uh, a solid job and you need, you know, sort of the core of your team to be guys that are hardworking, reliable, that sort of seven, eight, ten every week and just kind of do the do their job. And I think you're getting a guy who's good stage in his career and, you know, this is a step up. So I'm hoping he'll, uh, he's going to take that and run with it and you'll, you know, push on in terms of his ability. I think, um, I think it was quite smart business, to be honest, like just in terms of like we knew likely Pollock was going back to Watford we needed to fill that um sort of gap in defense and also I, I if I remember rightly can he not play in the role that Jaden Richardson was supposed to be amazing and good at and has not been so you know he can he can be quite versatile and I think he'll suit sort of the way Barry Robson wants to play football because um if you listen to his Red TV interview he did 
he said that that's what kind of enticed him to come was the way Barry was talking about how he wants to play, how he wants to you know do well in Europe, and um, basically they made him want to feel wanted that they, he was already a part of like the setup that Barry Robson was going to use moving forward. Yeah. So I think it's it's smart business. I think as well, you touched on there, Shona, he, he feels as well, it feels as though Ross McCrory is absolutely definitely going to be heading to, to Bristol City. Uh, Rumours this week that the fee has perhaps jumped up to around the £3 million mark now. Um, still don't think that's good enough, but anyway. I still think it's a bit light, but but there we are. Um, but Devlin, if you sell McCrory for three and get Devlin for nothing, and Devlin's underlying data this season, and for the last couple of seasons actually, has been excellent. He's in the top 25 percentile of the right-backs, right-wing-backs in Scotland. His defensive work's good, pitches in with assists, which is not something we've seen from Jaden Richardson, despite his apparent attacking prowess. Um, and I've always liked Nicky Devlin because he's a little bit of a shithouse. So I'm yeah, okay with is. this. <laughs> I think that's what we need. And arguably that's kind of in Robson's mould. Robson wasn't exactly a shrinking violet in the pitch. So I think we've, I mean, old Shona Gary and I have Gav moaned over the last few years. We were always sometimes a little bit nice, a little bit soft. So I think you do need guys and you're going to be in your corner um, and not take any nonsense. And I think we've got someone who's going to do that. Genuinely, and I don't just mean because I've been signed to play. I'm actually genuinely really loving this move. I think it's a real sign of it's, it's what we. Whenever Aberdeen have been successful in the past, we've always like gone and picked off players from. I don't want to say the lesser teams in Scotland, but from the smaller teams in Scotland, picking out their really key players and actually just picking them off and 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 building a team around them. You look, know, Graham Shinney from Inverness, Cali, Kenny McLean from St Mirren. Um, Johnny Hayes from Cali, obviously, previously. We've we've always done very well at that. And even back in the 80s, you know, we were very, very good at picking talent out of the other teams in Scotland and, and just building a team around that. And I have got a funny feeling Nicky Devil's actually going to be a really, really key player for us uh, next season. Still on the transfer side of things, confirmation that Darren Mowbray is off to Southampton as of the 1st of July. Um, any particular thoughts on this one here? Or I think the general consensus at the club, and Shona, you spoke about the fact you spoke to Alan Burrows, obviously recently we, we did the same, and I think the general consensus from most of the club is that a lot of the work in terms of identifying targets and players for the summer overhaul was kind of already done before the news mm-hmm. about Darren leaving was coming around. Um, although I don't think it can be understated either though the impact that Darren Mowbray's had in terms of just the data-led recruitment team and recruitment cycle that we seem to be enjoying now at Aberdeen. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, there's a reason that Southampton have come in for him and wanted him to go down there. Um, just please don't take Duke with you. That would be great. <laughs> My message to him. He probably would, well, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, I think it will be, it's, I think, well, from what I've heard that is that Barry and Burroughs and, and Darren have all like kind of sat down way before the summer transfer window opens, which is like a new thing for Aberdeen. You know, they're not normally this proactive. Yeah. So it's quite nice to see that they're actually actively out there and looking at targets and thinking like, this is the kind of guy I want to be playing in the Aberdeen shirt. Um, so I think for this summer window, I don't think we're going to see a big hit. It might be different though in winter if we haven't replaced him in terms of like for like in terms of his how he's been able to get like the likes of Bojan and 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 Jukin. Yeah, I would agree with that. It sounds like he he's not leaving in the middle of a project, if you like. I mean it's early days, but at least he's implemented the groundwork and hopefully likes of Burrows, etc., can make the most of that. I think he also suffers from I don't think I've ever seen him. So he's one of no. these guys, like you know, behind yeah, the scenes. I'm not like? yeah, well, well, we're exactly we're genuine, back to that well, question. Does that does Darren Mowbray exist? So well, that's a good question. He, 
I guess Let's these see if guys Southampton are... roll him out. Maybe they'll give him the big yeah. red carpet, you know, when he comes down. Yeah, there. Put scarf aloft. I'll be looking out for that. Uh, literally, so, uh, we don't know. We do not know. I assume he looks a bit like Tony Wilbury. He could be a figment of like Cormac's imagination. Maybe he is Dave Cormac. Maybe he's like Jiminy Cricket, you know, like he's just in our heads. A- he's AI Davy Cormac, right? There you go. That's a fucking dangerous thought right there. There's a Twitter feed I'd be signing up for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, on that as well, I quite like, Alan Burroughs made quite a good point about this, where it was like, okay, it's a bit of a blow that he's leaving, but also at the same time, it shows we're on the right track because it shows that, you know, we've we've progressed. There's, there's other clubs out there looking at talented people within the group. Which in its effect is actually quite a good a good sign, and I do think as well actually with our recent success on the pitch, um, as uh, mixed away as that's come about, and we're going to talk about some of the season that's just gone past shortly. I'd like to think that the way the club is set up now might actually help us to attract a decent replacement for for Dan Mowbray going forward. Yeah, but it's probably a little bit more appealing now than maybe six twelve months ago. Uh, so yeah, no, I think things. I suppose that's the thing you. You don't want, like losing your football players unless you get cash for them. But obviously, I guess there is that sort of backhanded compliment that if people are taking other staff members, it's because they're looking at Aberdeen and thinking, oh, they're doing something right. And you kind of need that across the board. It's just whether you can then find a suitable replacement that just keeps you going or pushes you, you forward. And I guess yeah. we'll just have to wait and see how, how that turns out. I think we also have this, like, I've been hearing this quite a lot over the past few weeks, that we have this knack in the Northeast to put ourselves down a wee bit and not yeah. sell ourselves. And I feel like we can because, I mean, well, if you asked me at Christmas time that <laughs> I think Aberdeen would finish third and uh, get European football, I'd be like, no, we look like we're going to get relegated. Um, but we kind of do sell ourselves short a wee bit. And I think there actually is a, an, an attraction to work for Aberdeen and, you, you know, be that I don't want to say the third biggest club in Scotland because it annoys me that they're still the big two. But anyway, to be that, you know, next club type thing and be, you know, challenging the Glasgow two as well. And I think that that is a project that people want to get on board with. I think you're right. And I think actually the club is doing quite a good job at the moment of selling that vision as well um, at present. I think having Alan Burrows on board will only help enhance that. He's a guy who seems to have already really cracked into the DNA of, of Aberdeen Football Club, and I don't mean that in a pun about Aberdeen. A corporate plug. Well yeah, done. it was good. Wasn't it? I know, that want... was good. They were like, yeah, <laughs> get him on board. Um, I, I doubt that very much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think there's opportunities in there now, I think, which is which is exciting, and it's it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. And if nothing else, Graham and I were just talking, actually, Shona, before you joined us, that speaking again with Alan Burrows, it seems as though a lot of the systems now that are in place now at the club mm-hmm. from a recruitment perspective around, you know, how data-driven we are, the um, the actual genuine software systems we're using to scout players and now it turns out managers as well. Um, so it kind of almost feels like it's a really good opportunity for somebody, isn't it, who really wants to stamp their authority on a kind of club from a recruitment perspective to come in and, and develop that further. Speaking of which, uh, season ticket sales club announced on Friday that we surpassed 9,300 season tickets which is more than any previous season has ever been done and that's including when you combine full and half season tickets which to me is remarkable it seems really really low from from my side of things Um, it's only early June though there's only one player signed so far surely we're going to break through that 10,000 mark for the first time ever which is of course Alan Burrow's target for this season you would think so I mean not that many left to sell to hit that and pretty much all of the summer yeah, because I think um, it was just the the um, like the previous season ticket holders had until like Friday to yeah. do the early bird stuff, which I think 
that was obviously early bird. And I think people, more people um, than the last few games under Robson, he was selling out some like most games, you know, the Hibs game, obviously, because that was the um, anniversary of Gothenburg. But even the submitted game the following um, Wednesday, yeah, it it was quite packed as well, it, for, especially for a Wednesday night. I thought that was quite good because they even opened the top of the Richard Donaldson. So I think people are coming back to Pitori because they're like what they're seeing. Don't touch wood, don't want to jinx it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to be positive about at the moment. Indeed, and the enticement of European football is only to push that forward, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, if you want to be guaranteed, if you're going to play Europa League group stage football and you end up with, I don't know, Liverpool and Ajax and... Give me another Copenhagen night. That'll be nice. Yeah, that'd be great. But maybe just without <laughs> the Vuvuzelas. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last thing that came at the club this week, and it's such a misnomer, but I'm I'm loving it because it's something that's bugged me for years. The um the LED scoreboard announcement. Not that not that I'm one of these people yes. that turns up at football and I don't know what the score is, right? I'm not somebody who's like turning at my mate and being like, what's the score just now? I don't know. <laughs> But um, if nothing else, if it can tell me when VAR is intervening on stuff and I don't have to try and guess what's going on in the field of play, that would be amazing. That is exactly my thought, because where I am in the south stand, I can actually see the clock timer over on the main stand. So like I'm diagonally from that. And that's torture to look at when you're like beating Rangers 2-0 and you want the game to finish. <laughs> that's how I felt that day. Um, but it would be good to like, because like you say, there was instances today when there was VAR at Dingwall and you didn't know actually what they were checking because they were just like, oh, check for handball. And you're like, what side? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Is it for mm. Thistle? Is it for County? Like, who are they checking for? So, but obviously if it was on the screen, you'd know that. Well, they're obviously waiting to check and see whose brown envelope has been passed to the assistant VAR, clearly, at that point. Do you not cover that off with an allegedly? Uh... Or are you just uh, going out for that? Okay, just going out for it. Nick, Nick Walsh was an referee today. Like, you know, like. <laughs> well, actually, do you know what? He was actually pretty good today. I, I was shocked because VAR went to a, a penalty decision for a thistle and yeah. everyone in the stand was like, oh, it's a pen, it's a pen, it's a pen. And it actually wasn't a pen. I think the, the thistle player actually booted the Bross County player and then fell over. That's un- it's unusual. I don't think I've seen an instance this season where the where a referee had gone to VAR and checked the mantra and not reversed his on-field position so it's, it's yeah i actually it was very surprised at that and then also he reversed his own red card decision as well which i also haven't seen it's amazing what happens when it doesn't involve one half the old firm isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> allegedly and not the three famous three th- three famous words in scottish football penalty to rangers <laughs> exactly absolutely um i guess ross county playing blue so i don't know maybe that was where nick walsh is kind of they're kind of ready in blue so Ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't it? Anyway, um, shall we move on really quickly from that? I think we probably should before we get ourselves in trouble. Um, yeah. This is, the, here we go, right? So um, this is Shona, what we brought you here for. You must be delighted with this. Um, let's go back. Part one of the ABZ football podcast patented end of season review for 2022-2023. We say patented, just last season we're padding for time to get us into the you know, uh, into the League Cup group stages. So we just thought, you know what, we'll divide the season into four. They're just gone and we'll talk nonsense about it. So that's what we're going to do. Lovely. Last season, a couple of friendlies against Bucky Thistle and Breaking City in pre-season, which sandwiched a training camp in Spain. Remember when we went to Spain and the Twitter, the Don's Twitter admin couldn't help but tell us we were in Spain. It was mentioned once or twice, wasn't it? They did mention it. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, I've got amnesia, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, the Dons with the huge summer overhaul, uh, the arrivals of Boyamiowski, Duke, Jaden Richardson, 
Ilber Ramadani, Kel Roos, Liam Scales, and Anthony Stewart at this point while we were in Spain. Oh goodness, that's a name. That's a name from the past, isn't it? Which one? Anthony Stewart. We'll come on to that later on. That might be a part two job, I think. Never mind. Calvin Ramsey, Lewis Ferguson, Andy Constantine, Dylan McGeech, Funzo King Ojo, David Bates, Gary Woods, Mikey Devlin, and Declan Gallagher are all heading off for pastures new. Um, Anthony Stewart, of course, then appointed new club captain ahead of the opening game of the season. Now, um, there were still a few more faces to come in at this point, but going into those group stages of the League Cup, and God, am I not glad we're not having to do that again this year. Can you remember, Shona Graham, were you kind of feeling hopeful for the season to come? Goodwin hadn't really had much of a bounce when he came in for Stephen Glass in the previous season, but he was backed heavily here in the transfer market. Um, I actually thought we looked quite nervy in the Peterhead game to begin with, if I remember rightly, like watching it all those months ago, back on the 10th of July. Um, And then obviously we did score <coughs> when we won 2-0, but I do remember thinking, God, we're actually not as confident as I thought we should be considering we our manager's new-ish and he's been given all this backing in the summer. Yeah, I, I wasn't really, I'll be honest, I wasn't a fan of the Goodwin appointment. I couldn't see... You've never mentioned it. You've never mentioned it. No, I don't think Full disclosure. So I was unsure about the season, but I guess we'll touch on the the end result probably was about what I expected, but I didn't think it would go the way it went in terms of uh, the results. I didn't think we would accomplish anything under him and we didn't. So having said that at the start, some of the guys looked all right and League Cup group stages, this is probably the, I don't know, the year sort of thinking ah, we're Aberdeen not that you turn out and it's a cakewalk but I wasn't expecting there to be as much maybe drama as there appeared to be in some of the performances I know we got the results but like Shona says we were watching that and thinking eh, this isn't quite as assured as I would like us to be so we'll come on to each of the games in a bit more detail as we go through um, but like I said just in terms of the signings that came in the door it was a very different summer transfer window for us wasn't it because we we're so used to you know just picking up jobbers from the English lower leagues and we still managed to find ourselves a mix of them we'll come on to them later on but there was certainly a bit more um I don't know how do we put it expansive view from our recruitment department this season with the likes of Duke Miofsky uh Ramadani in particular coming in and I don't know I felt a little bit excited about that because there's always something quite exciting isn't there about bringing in a complete unknown from a completely unknown league you've got no idea whether these guys are any good or not I mean, I think back to Jeffrey DeVisher and the excitement about our, our new Dutch winger and watching him in the warm-up at Tanadice for the opening league game of the season and thinking, that boy is absolutely fucking murder. What was I thinking? Um, but there's always that little bit of excitement, isn't there, when you bring in players from from pastures new, shall we say, from an Aberdeen perspective. Yeah, I thought it was quite exciting. Um, I had no idea who Kiel Ruse was when we signed him either. And I actually think he's become one of the standout signings of, of the season, to be honest. Because I think Goodwin was very keen to get in, I can never say his last name, the boy from St. Mirren, Alnick. Alnick. Alnick, yeah. I think he was keen to get him yeah. and then he went down south somewhere, I think. Cardiff. Is... I was going to say Cardiff, but I wasn't sure. So I think Cardiff, yes. yeah. I'm going to say Cardiff. I think he wanted him and then obviously he brought in Kiel Roos and then people were kind of murmuring like, oh, he'll just be like a stopgap until Goodwin, Goodwin, Goodwin can bring in who he wants next summer. Hilarious. That's what we were saying a summer ago. But um, I think, yeah, he's been really surprising. I think Duke's been amazing. Um, had a, didn't, you know, didn't start off the best, but then turned into this, you know, powerhouse that he is now. And then 
Ramadan is the kind of midfielder I I love, by the way, at Aberdeen. Like he's just so passionate about the club. Oh, I'm so glad you're here showing us that a Gavin who just poo-poos everything about Ramadani. You can come I back love ev- Ramadani. I absolutely love him. You can come back every week. How much did he pay you for this? <laughs> Gav, Gav, ask. Gav takes a nice cheesy smile with Ramadani at like the player's sponsor dinner and then slates him on a weekly basis. That's what you call I a love keyboard him. Runner. I think he's he's the kind of guy you need in midfield. You know, he doesn't really want to give up ever. And he, you know, he is so passionate even when we like want to throw in. Like it's just what you want. You want somebody that exuberates that passion right in your midfield. Let's say you're welcome back any week, Shona. This is fine. Um, let's talk about this then. So Saturday, the 10th of July, we just touched on it there. Our first ever foray into the League Cup group stages since their reintroduction. And I had to look up what this meant for us, to be honest. Um, a starting lineup that day. Listen to this starting lineup: Roos, McCrory, Scales, Stewart, Ramirez, Bajowin, Hayes, Ovara, Hancock, and Matty Kennedy. Um, we touched on it earlier on. A pretty drab affair is the best way to put it. The Dons eventually coming through by two goals to nil. Two goals from Christian Ramirez, who arrived back late from his extended summer break. And wherever you might say, Christian, um, we keep our receipts. I don't know about you, but nothing much to read into that one. A, a pretty poor performance, but first game back, dry pitch. On the face of it on the day, a stuffy team we played against, although it turns out Peter Head were absolutely fucking rank all season. Um, nothing really to see here? We think, no, like we should have won, and we did. Uh, um but if you'd if you'd said that Pierre Heber gonna go on to how they performed the rest of the season, we should have absolutely annihilated them. Yeah, I think it was one of these ones where I feel like you just gotta get it done. You know, it's early days, I'll sacrifice the performance for the results, etc. But obviously now with the benefit of hindsight, you're looking at that thinking mm, maybe that's where it started to go. Yeah. You know, there was never really anything about us uh in the first in the first instance. Never mind. 2-0. Job done. Three days later, Greg Wilde's Dumbarton travelled to Pathology. Mm. We always have to mention Greg Wilde on this show, obviously. Whenever we get a he chance. He likes to come back and go away and come back again, doesn't he? We'll do it. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll have to update the Greg Wilde experience. Oh, no, wait. He signed again at Dumbarton, hasn't he? He signed a new deal at Dumbarton, I think. Oh, well. That's a shame. We can't add another club to the list. That's, that's disappointing. <laughs> Um, to see if they just didn't like him because he was an ex-Rangers player too. Anyway, um, the same starting lineup. Um for this one except for Ilba Ramadani who came into the side he'd finally received his work permit arrived at Cormac Park in a Volkswagen Polo um, having arrived in the country a matter of days earlier a comfortable evening stroll Sauce win 2-0 here goes from Ross McCrory Matty Kennedy Sauce take the points but this was a bit more of a professional outing I thought well in control of this game from the off probably could have had another couple of goals and Christian Ramirez missed about four or five chances in this game again Kind of job done. And the Barton, as it turns out, actually went and have a pretty de- decent season in League Two, um, just falling just short at the uh, at the end against. Was Annan they got absolutely humped by in the playoffs? I think it was. That was a shame for Greg Wilde, but never mind. Yeah, such a shame for him, isn't it? I, I actually work part-time for Elgin City and um, they beat Elgin. Just This is just a side, complete sidetrack, but they beat Elgin 4-0. And I actually forgot to take off the halftime um, graphic <laughs> when he scored his goal, so you can't see it. That's a shame. <laughs> Nice work. I was like, oops. Oh, well. You say accidentally. I mean, like, there was inverted commas there, wasn't there? I didn't know he was going to score straight after the second half, and I was going, oh, the graphic's still on. Greg, you can't see your goal. To be fair, who would have thunk it? Anyway, that Dumbarton game was kind of just a bit, it was a bit job done, wasn't it? I was kind of happy we saw out quite comfortable because all of our recent fixtures against Dumbarton were horrendous 1-0 wins. So it was quite nice. It was quite comfortable, as I recall. 
Yeah, it was just another one to get through it, wasn't it? Yeah, indeed. Take it off, done. God, the League Cup groups were really boring, weren't they? Anyway, next up. They were up. boring, they were boring. Next up, a first trip to Stirling since 1997. Well, I mean, which, they just got relegated, so. Indeed, which saw us turn in a pretty impressive performance, actually, this one against ex Don's captain, Darren Young's Beano's. The Don's 5-0 up at halftime. Uh, two for Bajowin. Ramirez with a goal, McCrory with a goal, and then an amazing free kick from, from Matty Kennedy had a strolling it, which meant we got a debut appearance for Duke at halftime coming off for Ramirez. Now, this was a performance that, not from Duke, I should say, that certainly had me kind of sitting up and taking a little bit of notice, our first half performance at the fourth bank. Um, although Duke's cameo, I don't know, it didn't really hint at quite what a crucial impact he would have for us. No, he... You had a couple of moments where you think, whoa, this guy's got a touch, he's got some movement. And then you had, you had another couple of moments where you think, why are you tripping on the ball? You're supposed to be a professional footballer. <laughs> it was quite uh, an interesting start to his Don's career. And I think we'd all been so building up the, the hype prior to, he's going to be a maverick, he's a bit of a live wire. And I left the ground thinking, he is, but I actually don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, no, no inkling of how the season was actually going to turn out for him. I think my favourite bit of that game was when he, he stumbled... He drove into the box, stumbled on the ball, and then somehow he popped out with an overhead kick out of it and hit the bar, which made no sense. Like from a physical perspective, I was like, I don't that that's impossible. I don't understand how he's done that. But it was um yeah, it was one of those moments where you're like, I have no idea if this guy's gonna be any good or not. Interesting cameo. Yes. And then the drama started. I say the drama. The, the, the drama seemed to never stop under Jim Goodwin, but at home to Wraith Rovers for a final game in the groups, the were they via play at this point? No, it's still Premier Sports, I think, at this point. The, the TV cameras were at Pataudry, hoping for a repeat of the upset from the season before. Well, that game was terrible. Uh, that was horrendous. Let's not talk about that ever again. Bojan Miofsky's work permit finally through after we got the customs clearance for his dog. Um, he started the game in place of Christian Ramirez. He took poor old Christian's number nine shirt. Um, Christian then was landed with number 99 instead. Miofsky then announced himself to the Aberdeen support in pretty emphatic style, winning a penalty on six minutes, uh, smashing the resulting penalty kick high at the top corner. Lovely stuff. Ross McCrory with a stunning goal in 39 minutes. Johnny Hayes wrapping up the win with a nice little clip to finish over the top of the goalkeeper in the first minute of the second half. 3-0. Don's at the knockout stage, top of the group, 12 goals scored, none conceded. We looked in decent shape, didn't we? McCrory three in a row. That was incredible times. Uh, yeah, that looked. we were starting to look a little bit better and a little bit more exciting in terms of, you know, I think we were all left the ground pretty impressed with Mayovsky, considering, like you say, he's just not long arrived and new teammates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and although maybe the first couple of games not the most exhilarating, we'd come out of the group stage pretty much as good as you possibly could have done. You know, the important thing was to get out of it. Not everyone did. Uh, and then... <laughs> Naming no names. Of, I wouldn't do that. But I will. You know, they're Ips. thinking this is a decent start to the to the season. We've kind of had our pre-season. It's gone well. Let's let's get going in the league. Uh-huh. Right, how did that work out for us? Well, well, we'll come on to that. Uh-huh. We'll gloss over that. Sure, your initial thoughts about Miofsky in that in that first game? Yeah, I I was sold on him pretty much as soon as he came on the pitch well not because he came on the pitch it's a bit drastic but like you know as soon as he won that pen and then he scored it he's 
he's so confident when he when he's um the penalty spot taker that you i mean i have this ritual where i don't watch pens i just can't do it okay. i can't do it i won't do it i put my hands in my ears and i close my eyes and i just listen to the fans reaction it's quite terrible but it's what i do um you must have had a lot of fun at dingwall tonight when there was about 12 of them i wouldn't stop it would not stop <laughs> it would not stop i've done it ever since we won the cup final so i'm sticking so, with the ritual so it works I'm sticking. The only time I didn't do it was when we was it Hearts, yeah, and we didn't score any pens, and then they scored three. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in the gold, in the gold kit. Yeah, so that uh, I need to do the ritual. Just saying. That kit was honking, absolute honking. Yeah, but yeah, no, it, I was very impressed with him when he came. I liked that penalty. I thought that was proper. Like here I am. Like there was all the chat. There was all the chat. The pre-match. I remember we were sitting in fierce Graham. And the team lines came through, and it was like they've given me obviously nine, and it was like that's kind of ballsy by Goodwood, but fine, yeah, whatever. He did a lot of ballsy moves, though, didn't he? He did. Not all, not, did. Not all of them worked out, as it turns out. No. Um, no. This one, I'm gonna give Jim his. I'm gonna give Jim his due. This one did work out for him. Um, well, not for him exactly. Well, not for him. Well, it did in the short term. Um, I enjoyed just the penalty. I thought like when he won it, and then he. St- stepped up and just smashed it at the top corner. I was like, mm. yeah, I like that. That's a proper statement penalty kick, which is great. And also, that game saw the end of Christoph Berra's career. It's a shame. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Couldn't have. I enjoy the fact he got bodied at the same ground that the Did he not go boy... like, off the ball that we have to be like, I'm looking for a club? He might have done. I don't know. Like, I enjoy the fact that it happened at the same ground where he got like, you know, just noised up by a ball boy and he was never the same since. <laughs> I enjoyed that immensely. Anyway, coming to the league campaign, right? So we've had a pretty good preseason now in in the league cup. We've used that effectively as a preseason. Like I say, come through it. Four games played, four games won, twelve goals scored, none conceded. We kind of Did feel you just hope- repeat that last line. What none conceded? Yeah, there That's we go. the bit I was looking at, thinking, <laughs> oh yeah, remember that. Yeah, but it looked but- like we could defend. That's like a Jim Goodwin story. Well, you know, Jim Goodwin did come in and say that the defence was easy to fix and that he was the man to do so. Did, and for a brief period of time, he was he was correct. No, no, for a brief period of time, he wasn't correct. For for this period no, here, he was, he was not this period for this chunk. He was <laughs> he... correct for the League Cup until he wasn't at Celtic and then the home game against Motherwell, but we'll get to that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes. when he was playing lower league opposition, he was fine. <laughs> Except when it came to playing a junior team. But we'll come on to that. Who's coming back to talk about the Darvel game? It's Andy Murray. Bless him. Poor fucker. Um, Andy loves that, it. That, that, Andy, could be, that could be the whole show by itself, to be honest. Andy loves the chaos. And we had a moment where we thought, well, we bring Tom Watt back to talk about Darvel. Because poor Tom comes on here every time. And I think the joke previously was that Tom on the podcast is the equivalent of um, Exit Music by Radiohead. And it's very fair. And we thought, you know what? We're going to have Tom a break this time. We'll bring him back for the for the run-in to the season. Because he's got something nice to talk about for once. Um, Andy loves the chaos. So it'll be great fun. Anyway. Um, yeah, coming into the league campaign, after, off the back of the League Cup group mm-hmm. stages, were you kind of feeling hopeful? Were there, were, there, were there green shoots? I feel like with the League Cup, there were games we should have won. And we did win. So I was kind of like, well... We've done our job, so now let's move on to the league campaign. I think it's probably in the same boat. Maybe just a little bit more encouraged that we'd scored a reasonable number of goals because what I'd expected under Goodwin was that we'd be quite stuffy and we'd be 
sort of like a 1-0 team. I know they were a lower league opposition, but I wasn't expecting us to really score that many goals and yeah. unearthing the likes of Mayofsky and stuff. I was a little bit more enthused than maybe some of the, you know, based just on yeah. the performances. So, yeah, things were things were looking like they might be okay. <laughs> oh, dear. Great, bless. I'll just set them up for you. I just had to do a bit of a callback there because Shona, you said it earlier on that a lot of people thought that maybe Calories might have been a stopgap goalkeeper signing because Jim mm-hmm. Goodman might be looking for a proper goalkeeper this summer. Turns out he probably is looking for a proper goalkeeper this summer, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> just not, not Aberdeen, no. <laughs> um, so in that week between the League Cup group stages and the start of the season, Cal Roberts joined us from Notts County. Ooh. Silence says everything you need to know there. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. We open up our league campaign at Celtic Park on, in inverted commas, flag day. The Dons bolstering our defensive options with the arrival of Hayden Coulson on loan from Middlesbrough. Sidebar, I had to do a quick... Um, so when we signed Hayden Coulson, we did an interview with uh, a Middlesbrough podcast asked about Hayden Coulson. Um, that Borough podcast asked me back this week for a wee chat about how Hayden Coulson got on. It's fair to say he just spent the entire time looking entirely shocked about the fact they'd just given him a two-year extension with a year's option when I was like, Definitely not good enough to play for Aberdeen Football Club, mate. So, no. good luck. All the best. Um, Coulson straight into the team for the opening game of the season, which saw Ross McCrory drop into centre-back alongside Anthony Stewart because Liam Scales was unavailable on account of the Adam Montgomery rule, which meant that Dante Povara started in midfield together with Ilba Ramadani. Sean has got this amazingly confused face, which I'm really enjoying <laughs> right now. It's like, I can't even remember any of this. Um, the Dons are goal down. I think it's with, I don't want to remember. I don't remember. The Dons are goal down within three minutes. Stephen Welsh getting a run off of Polvara to nod home. A Hayes chance just before half time. Huge, huge chance for Aberdeen, but Jota seals the points for Celtic with 15 minutes to go. Full time, 2 0. A pretty poor performance all round on this one from my perspective. But it did mark the game where we had three shots on target against Celtic this season, which is the only shots on target we registered against them all season um that's quite depressing isn't it that's horrendous um, in a depressing chunk of the season that is very depressing yeah i still can't believe that's true i know that is quite depressing it wasn't great was it but i i had this weird moment where i felt like we kind of got out of dodge because we'd gone a goal down after three minutes and i felt the two nil was not the worst result after that very true, very true. But, you know, it kind of doesn't smack of Jim Goodwin shoring up the defence when, you know, the champions scored after three minutes. But, hey, what do I know? It was amazing, just everybody standing around, like, pointing fingers at each other when Welsh scored. You were just like, fucking hell, boys. Like, honestly. Great times. Anyway, let's move on from that one because playing at Celtic this season has not been Aberdeen's strong suit, as it turns out. Um, in the week running up to the first home game of the season, the Dons make a further signing because you know what? We didn't have enough wingers as it was. We signed Shaden Morris from Fleetwood Town for actual hard cash money. The equivalent of three Tommy Wrights, as I recall. Maybe three and a half Tommy Wrights. Like, I don't remember any of these signings. <laughs> You're lucky. <laughs> you are very lucky. Um, and then, on the morning of the game against St Mirren, Leighton Clarkson arrives on loan from Liverpool. Clarkson's straight into the matchday squad. Liam Scales back in at the side to replace Polvara. Uh, that morning, was anyone else thinking to themselves, huh, Matty Longstaff? For Clarkson? For Clarkson? Yeah. No. I didn't get the same vibes, purely yeah. because Matty Longstaff... I think there's Longstaff, only one Matty Longstaff. Yeah, absolutely. And also, Thank I fuck. feel like he was... 
he was really, really bigged up as this like amazing signing for Aberdeen because he played like one good game for Newcastle. Aberdeen tend to do that, by the way. They like sign a player who's done really well against them or or played one really good game. Jet is one. <laughs> no, 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 sure not. No, no, no. Curtis Jet mean. Curtis no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Jet played well against us twice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, so that's sorry, sorry, that's an understandable sorry. signing. Well, Come on, Glass, right? Glass saw him Give Glass once. Glass is Glass saw him once and went, hmm, yeah. I can, I can get a tune out of that guy. I can get him doing a high press. No. Uh, he'll be running. He'll be running the channels. No danger. Every day of the game. Anyway. Um, no, I was. I no. I thought Clarkson was going to be all right. Yeah, I'm amazed because honestly, I was like, oh fucking hell, here we go again. You know, you know that like, the Grand Theft Auto gif. Yeah. Or the Grand Theft, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> meme that was where i was at I was like, uh, uh, here we go because i've had enough teddy jenks and mighty long staff and you know there we go anyway you've got ptsd man i do <laughs> i've been watching aberdeen for a long time um a pretty scrappy opening 25 minutes that saw submitted maybe having the better of the game um turned on its head galker with a second yellow card which was really funny after handling a goal bound shot from liam scales i went back to look at this to check it was liam scales it was wow um we were so free-flowing at, at home. Uh, Miofsky dispatches the penalty before he then picks up a second goal 13 minutes later. And then an absolute thunder bastard from Leighton Clarkson who came on for Coulson after 12 minutes because our injury-prone left-back picked up an injury. Um, Leighton Clarkson, what a wonderful way to, to to announce himself on the Aberdeen scene. And then Duke notched his first ever Dons goal with three minutes remaining. Ayunga with a penalty for the visitors as a consolation. And now I remember coming out of the game really enjoying our performance that afternoon. <laughs> but then do you think now, and especially in hindsight, was maybe more of that down to Saints going down to 10 men than how good we were? I think that's quite a possibility, to be honest. Um, I still don't think we'd quite worked out. Well, I don't think we ever quite worked out what we were supposed to be under Goodwin, but we didn't know that um, until January. Um, I think we were still trying to work out what kind of team we were going to be because Goodwin was kind of like an oxymoron for me. He was kind of like, oh, I'm going to be defensive minded and I'm going to shore up the defense, but then also play attacking football. And I was kind of like, this is not, I'm kind of confused as to where your, your, your loyalties are lying. Cause you're not making sense to me right now as a fan. So what are your players thinking? Um, so that was my, that was my kind of take. And then the next game confirmed that for me. <laughs> I think that's a good summation. He, we've spoken of this before, it's almost like he was fighting against his natural urges because I thought we would be pretty boring and stuffy and it would be lack of goals that would hurt him. But actually, some of those home games, I know that particular example, 10, 10 men, but some of the home games were actually quite exciting. We did score quite a lot of goals, but it was always a bit, we're scoring a lot, which is great, but we're really really embarrassing at the back this is not what I expected it was to that nobody seems to know what are you trying to do because you're telling us to go and attack but we keep getting caught out and you're not you know doing anything about that so it's maybe to your point Gary that particular one if you look back at it now the way the seasons were heading before we uh, bend Goodwin maybe there was an element of the the 10 men helping us because St Mirren were having a better season by comparison I, I thought St Mirren I thought St Mirren started that game pretty well to be fair the reason I did my whole like praise the Lord moment there when you said that, Sean, was because I think I've been theorizing about this for a while now on the show about the fact that Goodwin was either coaching against himself, right? So his natural instinct was defensive, stuffy, pragmatic, 
but I think he's the guy who came into an interview with the club and they were like, we want a manager who's going to do this. And he sat and went, yeah, fuck it. I'll do that. He said, you know, like, you know, when you're in an interview and you'll just say whatever you need to say to get the job. Totally. Right? You're like, yeah, I can do that. And you're like, oh, that's actually not how I think at all. I'm absolutely convinced this is what happened with him. Right. Although he's, he's done the same at Dundee United. Yeah. But yeah. the funny thing about that is United are giving him a full-time gig. <laughs> He's yeah. done the same, and as well, I mean, to be fair, he has the most terrible defence known to man there. So maybe he's just thought, they're not going to defend, attack people. It's not worked out for him yet again, though. No, no. Well, it did, because he got a two-year deal. Well, that, that is a very good point. It's worked out for him, yes. That is a very good point. <laughs> Which goes back to your point earlier about um, statements and the confidence of the man, that he's somehow on a trajectory of taking one team down to get binned to take another team down and then come out of it with a job is quite the achievement i mean my favorite quote was one week cost me my aberdeen job and i was like <laughs> oh you're naive as well as stupid okay yeah read the room jim we've played that back a few times as well i have no idea what that means from gary i don't know what that means either are we subbing off or what's happening is he subbing himself <laughs> Just because you were talking about Dundee United. <laughs> if you're if you're new at the show, I got a new toy last week and I'm making the most of it, so this is what's happening. Okay. There we go. Um, that's enough of that. Because uh, every time we talk about Dungeon United, we have to, we have to do that. <laughs> Clarkson, you had, had a really good afternoon that day. I thought he came off. He came off the bench after about twelve minutes. At the time, it was kind of well renowned. He literally met his teammates that morning at breakfast. I think um, topped off with a great goal. Although just prior to that, he'd absolutely skied one at the Richard Donald stand. I remember Gavin and I standing standing in this shed watching it as he lined up the second one, thinking, "Mate, nah, seriously not." Not after the first one. Um, Memories of Matty Longstaff maybe already starting to fade after that performance mm. from Leighton Clarkson. Thank God. I don't know if this is maybe a bit of a stretch, but does he not like sort of like excite you, kind of like how James Madison sort of excited you? Yeah. Oh, there was something about him in terms of the, he didn't quite have maybe the swagger, but he obviously had the the ability to do stuff with the football that, you know, we don't really have in abundance in that, in that team. So there was something after that, I know it was only early days, but yeah, I think we all left thinking, this is looking quite exciting. This guy knows what he's doing. It's just whether he can fit into what we are trying to achieve or deal with getting booted up in the air most games with zero protection. Yeah, because that was the biggest fear, I think, about when, when we signed him and we spoke to, to, to other fans like from Liverpool and from Blackburn. The big concern was around his dealing with the physicality. Because he got Blackburn and hadn't really done very well there. And playing for Liverpool in the Champions League, as he had done, is a very different kettle of fish from being hoofed in the air by, I don't know, Jack Baldwin or something. I must admit, see this afternoon, see when Baldwin missed his penalty kick, I did think to myself, Graeme Shinny be having a right to laugh about that right by now. <laughs> yeah that was not a good penalty no but funnily enough not the worst of the afternoon so you know no no, there were some pretty bad ones Keith Watson's was good <laughs> if he was playing rugby um, 
Anyway, after that St. Mary game, next up, a home game against Motherwell. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. was a Motherwell side who'd been pumped out of Europe by Sligo Rovers. Um, they had a new manager just appointed in the form of Stephen Hamill. <laughs> Remember how that worked out for them. Clearly here, a perfect opportunity to build on that St. Mary win and really get the season up and running, right? Well, you would think so. Not quite. Uh, Blair spittle with the opener for Motherwell before Mioffski equalises just before halftime. The Dons level undeserved at halftime after what was a horrendous first half performance. We then somehow get in front. Johnny Hayes with, I think it would be fair to call this a stramash with a couple of minutes gone in the second half. And you think then, right, well, we've not played well, but we're somehow 2-1 up. Let's go on and just see this one out, win it comfortably. But no, uh, Slattery with a goal five minutes after Hayes had given us the lead. And then Kevin Van Veen, who, let me shock you, I think Kevin Van Veen's a great player, as he gave the Steelmen the lead just three minutes later. And that was enough for them to take the points. All three goals that Motherwell scored in this game, I went back to watch them earlier today because I'm a fucking glutton for punishment. Horrendous from a defensive performance. Mm-hmm. And hindsight's twenty twenty, but perhaps the defence wasn't just that easy to fix for Mr. Jim Michael Goodwin. No, that I think like you said, I would probably generally find Motherwell quite stuffy to play against. So having somehow found ourselves in front uh, and coming off the back of the St. Mirren game, you're thinking, well, we've got goals on that team. We'll probably be okay here. Because again, I was still expecting us to be pretty solid defensively because I thought that's what we would get under Goodwin. So at that stage, I'm thinking that's all right. We're going to get another three points here. And then, like you say, it's not even, I mean, I use the word professional footballers here in the defence. It's just... What I didn't realise was going to be a pattern that would repeat and repeat. You, you're thinking that's just uh, one of these things, but no, it turned out to be his MO. Yeah, so I actually had worked in the morning and rushed to Batoji for this game because I was like, I can go. Like, I've got a season ticket. I'll go watch the game. I'm excited. We won last week quite comfortably. How wrong was I? Um, <laughs> it was the first game that I actually looked at Anthony Stewart and went, hmm, bomb scare. <laughs> that's a disaster waiting to happen. Um because people were like, oh, yeah, he's good. He throws his body on the line. I'm like, and into people. kind of don't want him <laughs> to do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like that game definitely showed our defensive weaknesses. That kept leaking into the team throughout that first half of the season. As I remember, the first goal in particular was a really bad one from, um, I think, Jaden Richardson's at fault, wasn't he, for the first one, I think. Or or he does, sort of doesn't cover himself in glory anyway and try to cover Spittle in the midfield in the centre defence and then yeah all round very very poor um, that, that particular afternoon second away trip of the season sees us venture to Perth to take on Andy Considine's new squeeze St Johnston in an entirely unmemorable game which to be fair I could use to describe any Aberdeen versus St Johnston game from pretty much the past 25 years I think Um Aberdeen take the points thanks to a wonderful free kick from Leighton Clarkson. Not a vintage performance, but perhaps a step forward, given how bad our away form the prior season had been, that we at least ground out the win in this one. Yeah, I think obviously every game you'd like us to be playing well, but away from home, considering how rank we had been, that did feel like a step forward because yeah. we would have we would have lost that previously. So at that stage, thinking, okay. The Motherwell game wasn't brilliant, but didn't concede. Scored late on. Again, you know, Clarkson looks like, looks like a decent player. Probably it's a great free feeling, kick. Yeah, great free kick. But at that point, it was feeling a bit like, 
you know, we're, we're maybe going somewhere here because that's an improvement from last season and that's what everyone was looking for. Yeah, I, I did think that as well. And obviously St. Johnson were in a bit of a, well, they definitely were in a, in a free fall um, from the start of the season. So it was sort of like we should have been able to beat them type vibe but and we did and obviously we did it not comfortably but you know you kind of have to have, have sometimes have those games this is what we used to do under McInnes when it was like you wouldn't play very well away from home but you would still manage to win like one nil or something and you got the three points so you were hoping that was what we were starting to see under Goodwin after our terrible run of form under Stephen Glass and that is how I will move that topic yeah it reminded me a lot as well like Jimmy Caldwell's first season we were amazing at going on the road and just like shithousing our way to wins or draws across. The- and it was great fun from, from that. Like we weren't very good to watch away from home, but it was really, really fun. There's something quite entertaining about being the way team and being generally terrible, but somehow winning via a goal you score in the opening five minutes and you just defend for, for the next 85 or you've defended for 89 minutes and you score a last minute winner. There's something very entertaining about that away from home. This St. Johnston game as well is also memorable because I think Duke and Morris come off the bench and they link up really well with each other two or three times. Morris has played in on goal like three times in a row and hits every single one of them straight at the goalkeeper. And I remember at that time thinking, not entirely convinced by by this lad, to be fair. And um, we've spent three and a half Tommy Wrights on him. Which is the standard unit of measurement for a dross player. <laughs> the, the Tommy Wright, yes. Yep. Absolutely. Um we do back up that win on the road, though, with a 5-0 win over Livingston at Pataudry. We were at home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, again, perhaps in retrospect, lulled into a false sense of security with this one. Similar to the St. Mirren game. I thought Livy had actually had the better of the play in that opening period. Uh, Joel Nubley was giving, I presume it was Jaden Richardson, I can't remember, but I'm, I'm going to presume it was. A really difficult time. Um, Livia definitely looked the better side until Jack Fitzwater was sent off on 41 minutes with what was some hilariously suicidal defending from the Livingston perspective. Um, Miofsky tucks away the penalty before we, then we put in our four away in the second half. Another from Miofsky, one from McCrory. Bajem with a penalty because Miofsky gave it to him to take. How confident was Bojan Miofsky that he was getting a hat-trick in this game? He was saying, here you go, mate. Take that. On you go. I'll get another one. Uh, Ross McCrory with a beauty we touched on that and then Ryan Duncan with his first goal for the club did we perhaps get a bit wrapped up in the final result here compared to the performance when it was 11 against 11 do you think yeah so I my friend and my friend's a big Aberdeen fan and we always like because he's got a season ticket and Richard Donald and I'm in the south so we're always mentioning back and forth about how the game's going and blah 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 and he was kind of like we're really not making sense at the minute because we're scoring a lot but then we're also conceding a lot. Obviously, we didn't this game um, because they were down to 10 men. But he was kind of like, I don't really know. I still don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we're any good or not. I don't know. I don't know if we're good or not, (laughs) what he was saying. And I I had to kind of agree with him because the the scoreline looks great, 5-0. But they were down to 10 men. So how can you know if it was going to be that same scoreline if it was 11 v 11? I think I was taken in by the scoreline because I always think Livingston are pretty difficult to play against and arguably 11 v 10 for a team that basically just comes to Pataudry to defend. I was quite impressed we were able to take them to pieces because it doesn't. I don't think it always goes that way when a team goes down to 10 when they've got no desire to actually come out and play. So I was probably taken in by the scoreline and thinking, 
that's a team that's pretty resolute. I know they're a man down for a half, but we've turned them over. This is quite exciting, but but not for the first time in my life or the last time I was wrong. And then did you think, oh, ace, away trip to Dingwall? Yes, I did, actually. The rubbish, the most horrible <laughs> game I've ever watched this season. We're going to come on to that, Sean. Come on, patience, patience. <laughs> um, this one for me has got... So I, I entirely got wrapped up in the in the scoreline on this one because this, this game holds a lot of sentimental value to me because it was the first game I took my son to. Oh. Um, and it was great and he loved it and the fact we won a 5 now you're like, oh, we man, listen, it's, it's not like this like every week. Like I feel <laughs> like I've... I feel like I've set you now with a real full sense of security. Um, I'll take it. I'll take it to Dundee United on October eighth, and we'll see. <laughs> I think the Perth late in the season, and he's has uh, <laughs> been struggling to try and see if he wants to go back in. But I remember thinking, I I actually remember thinking the same as you, Graham, about this one that Livy generally pretty stuffy, um, make it very difficult for us generally. And then you think when they go to ten, they'll just really, really, really make it difficult for us. So to kind of pick them apart and. The goals we scored in fairness second half, I thought McCrory's goal was a really good goal. Miofsky's second's a wonderful goal. Um, the pass, I think it's Hayes plays it through to him. Um, it's a great finish from Miofsky. Ryan Dunkers is a wee bit fortuitous, I think, because it's really across in the, in the box and everybody misses it with the goalkeeper. But yeah, at that point, I remember thinking we might be onto something here. We'd backed up an away win where we shithoused our way. We'd beaten one of the stuffy teams in League 5-0. At that point, our home form looks okay. There's the motherwell game you need to put to one side, but you know, if the Spats live for five, we put four past them in. Uh, maybe we look okay. And I think that'll do us for this half. Join us after the break. We'll bring the second part of this first installment of the 2022-2023 season review. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Siberia Bar, like us all, are praying for European nights this summer with the end of the season looming and the prospect of a big summer at Pataudry on the horizon. Make a night of it by visiting the bar pre- and post-match, grabbing some cheap drinks using the ABZ pod discount, and even better, stay in the hotel after a big night of celebrations and get 15% off your stay in the hotel by booking direct to the Siberia Bar Hotel and using the code ABZPOD. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to the second half of part one of our 2022-2023 end of season review, just a quick shout out to those of you who've continued to make your contributions to the Beer and Coffee Fund this week, including Scott B, Scott and Grant Stephen. Grant, because I have to do it because Gav's not here to do it and Graham's too embarrassed to do the shout outs. Disgraceful. Anyway, we see you. Your bread is appreciated. If you'd like to help us keep fueling beers or coffees, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ football podcast. The link is in the description. Check us a beer, a coffee, whiskey, whatever. It is absolutely much appreciated. Now, let's move on. Part two, end of season review. Um, we're still here with Shona Dutty. Shona's still stuck with us, amazingly. It's getting late into the evening on Sunday, but we appreciate it nonetheless. So, after having navigated our way out of the group stages of the League Cup, we landed a plum draw away at an Athletic, the lowest-ranked side left in the tournament. An Astro pitch, perhaps a slight challenge, but Annan had started the season poorly. Uh, this looked like a great chance to progress to the quarterfinals with the minimum of fuss, right? You need to insert that wrong buzzer, like, ah. Yeah. Uh-uh. 
Not quite. Shaden Morris and Jack McKenzie in for their first starts of the season. Alongside Matty Kennedy as Coulson, Hayes and Clarkson all dropped out. And on a warm and stuffy night in Dumfries and Galloway, the Dons made hard work of it. Morris and Kennedy having to be hooked at halftime. The Dons eventually finding a goal through Bajouin early in the second half. It was a home side who finished stronger. And Swinglehurst, what a great name. Swinglehurst, love it. Um, he scored with eight, uh, with 10 minutes left to go from a corner to force extra time. Thankfully, Aberdeen came through extra time with goals from Duke, Bajouin and Clarkson, which eventually sealed a 4-1 win. I think a lot of people perhaps put this performance down at the pitch and it was hard for us to get rhythm going, but maybe in a lot of ways it was a bit of a precursor for a performance that came later in the season in the Cups. Mm. The reason I always remember this game is because of how animated my brother got um, watching it. <laughs> because he was like, first of all, why are we not like absolutely hammering this League 2 side? He's like, Second of all, how we allowed them to equalize in the eighty-first minute, and he was like, and he was like, "This is this is a you know it's, the it was very very I was getting very high pitched and very it was quite funny because nine times out of ten he's like I don't really support Aberdeen and then when they do a performance like this he goes crazy and I'm like oh that, you you really do I'm like you really do has he never so, watched Aberdeen before though right <laughs> yeah he has but he still does it it's like he thinks they're gonna change no and it never Aberdeen, changes no it never changes. It never changes. It was, it was quite funny. I, I think I might still have the voice notes on my phone of him squealing, being like... Can you find them? <laughs> <laughs> I wish they should, because should, they're hilarious. So that's why um, that's what I remember of this game, to be honest. Uh, I mean, yeah, great, we won, but that's that's my take from the game. Graham, you were there, although did you manage to see much of it? <laughs> no, uh, being <laughs> vertically challenged, uh, the view, it's not that great a venue for uh, actually seeing anything, which, to be fair, for most of that evening was fine. <laughs> yes, uh, it was fine. better for my sanity. But I'll be honest, when they equalised, I was just looking at my watch thinking, I'm in an arse end in nowhere. It's taking me forever to get here. It's a school night. It's going to take me forever to get home. When am I going to get home? I was in that stage. And also slightly pissed off that we'd uh, let them back into it because although although we weren't great, you're kind of on that mentality, like Sean is saying, the the gap in the divisions, you would think, be enough that we would get the job yeah. done. And then we were in danger of not getting it done. And Anna and his start of the season poorly, although they pull it back around because obviously they end up getting promoted to League One at the end of the, at the, end of the campaign through the playoffs. But yeah, it was a, it was a difficult watch. Um, I know a lot of people seem to make excuses to pitch and stuff, but it was that instance. And it's again, something we've maybe seen since uh, Barry Robson has been in charge as well, where... You know, Goodwin decided to give some of the more fringe players perhaps a bit of a run out. Shaden Morris is the one I'm kind of looking at here in particular. And, and it was very clear within like 45 minutes that these guys are just not quite there in terms of being able to step up to 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 play in the first team when, you know, maybe your first team regulars are not available or you decide to try and switch the switch the team up. Mm. Well, that, that worked really well for Glass the season before. <clears throat> it really did, didn't it? It really did, really did. That was a really good positive plan A he had with no plan B during headlights moment. <laughs> do you think uh, we talked about this on the pod a few weeks ago my theory with Stephen Glass is that that Wraith Rovers result really 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 fried his brain I think he was just petrified after that yeah I think so petrified. because he'd been quite ballsy up until then in terms of making changes and in-game decision making like, you know he'd suddenly make three changes at half time or he'd make drastic changes all over the place change tweak the shape make lots of, and that, that that Wraith game just seemed to be like 
okay, I can't rely on anybody. He was just it was just like this on the sideline, like. <laughs> It's yeah. times like this, it's times like this. I wish we were a a, a vodcast. I know. <laughs> but there we go. Basically, yeah. just looking like a deer in headlights. People just so you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that said, right when it's all said and done, you're in the League Cup quarterfinals. You land another draw against Park Thistle. I think who at that point as well were possibly the lowest ranked team left in the tournament. So we got a bit fortunate with a couple of draws. Cup games. It wasn't like let's not beat around the bush. It was a terrible, terrible performance against Aaron. It was but, bad. But it's still a case of getting through, isn't it? And we were through. So. We were through, but, you know, maybe we should have been, like, asterisk it. Between yeah. Like, oh, do you remember that Andy game? We should have known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll come on to that. Andy Murray's going to be here to talk about that one, but never mind. Next up, now, Shona, you touched on it earlier on. Our first away trip of the season, the Highlands to face um, the mad racist, Malky McKay's Ross County, on a scorching September day. I can say it. I don't even need to put allegedly in front of it because it's true. Um, the Red I've Army. I actually met him because my my fiance covers Ross County. He came to our Christmas party. He's actually quite nice. If you're the right person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm blonde and white, so I, I fit his I fit his type, don't I? You're right. Yeah, it's the WhatsApps you need to watch out for. I think afterwards. Never mind. Scorching September day, the Red Army in fine fettle. I say a fine fettle for a three p.m. kickoff. Graham, I remember you and I. I think our hangovers were kicking in. By about around three, uh, three o'clock kickoff because somebody had booked the first train out of Aberdeen to Inverness. Shout out to Jeff of Jeff Music Fame. Madness! Have you never done Mallard before? Jeff, Jeff, infamously of the Jeff's Music Corner, was the, to blame for this one. I remember there was a lot of big talk in the WhatsApp group in the build-up to this one. Anyway, um, let's said about that the better. The Mallard bouncing, everyone looking forward to building on the run of three wins on the spin. And securing three points that would have seen us move to within one point of Sevco in second place, with the Sevconians scheduled to visit Pataudry next. And it was, though, all too typically, uh, as it would turn out in that first part of the season, a real non-event on the road until the introduction of Duke with 20 minutes to go. A moment of genius from the Cape for Dayan to put the Dons a goal up with two minutes to go. An incredible hooked volley over the top of the shoulder in the top corner laid Law's goal. Graham, I think we might have ended up about four rows away from where we started as that looked to have been the moment to seal three points on the road. Although we somehow contrived to throw that away with William Accio scrambling home a late, late equaliser. Um, a really weird game, all in all. The only things I remember from this game are Jaden Richardson smashing across so hard across the, the, the box that I thought to myself, no fucking striker wants to put his head on that because they don't want to be concussed and out for the next six months. And then Duke's goal. Yeah, Duke's goal was brilliant. Although I should have maybe taken the omen from the Mallard as to how the, the game was going to go because this guy, who was an Aberdeen fan, came up to me and was like, do you want to run away with me to Peterhead instead of being with your fiancé at the Aberdeen game? And I was like, no. What an appealing proposition that was. <laughs> yeah, was it the destination that put you off? Or... It was the fact that he was clearly on drugs and definitely, <laughs> definitely drunk. And was just like, do you want to come to Peterhead with me? You don't need your, you don't need your man. And I'm like, no. Was it like right now? Did you have to leave right now for Peter? I had to leave like right there and then. Oh, like we okay. had to go to Peter Had there and then and not to watch Aberdeen v Ross County. Had to okay. be that moment. Well, it's an interesting know. approach, an interesting line. You know, sometimes you just have to go with what your heart wants to do. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was going for it. You've got to shoot your, you've got to shoot your shot, you know, and it's got the confidence of a young Jim Goodwin. 
something. Exactly. He did. He was channeling his inner Jim Goodwin there. He definitely <laughs> was. But he then said Peter Head. So I was like, oh. <laughs> so me. close, but no cigar. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was yeah. a it was a strange game going from this is murder, we might get a point out of this to right, yes. we've wrapped up at right at the end with a brilliant goal. What a day out to oh no, we've chucked it. <laughs> The thing, the thing that I remember most about that game, though, is looking at Goodwin and how he reacted to the 95th minute equaliser. Because where I was, I was in, because I was in hospitality, I was right behind the dugout. And he literally did it the same when um, Ross County scored a winner against St. Mirren there in Dingwall. I just don't think, I just don't think Jim Goodwin likes Dingwall. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> um, he like sank to his knees and then like put his head in his hands. And I'm like, if you're a player looking at your manager doing that, that's not giving you like, you know, good, confident vibes that Jim Goodwin seems to exuberate about himself. It's not posy vibes, is it? No. No, you're looking for the traditional clapping of the hands. I bet you Jim Goodwin says that. I bet you does say that. I bet Jim Goodwin says posy vibes. Well, you know, lads, salva the posy vibes. (laughs) There's Jim Goodwin just popped in to say hello to us on AB's NFP. Mark, Mark, oh, I, to, Mark do, to Mark Benigitti. Well, I, I don't do Mark. remember. I do remember that though. And I'm thinking that's not a good sign for me. That's what I thought. Uh, it's it's probably fair to be to to be fair. Um, to be fair. Yeah, to be fair. To be sure. To be sure. It's uh, positive vibes. It's I, can, vibes. I can get away with it. My wife's Irish. It's fine. I can get away with that. It's fine. Um, yeah, just an all round odd day. I I remember us walking around Dingwall for about what felt like an eternity after that game, Graham, um, as we waited to be transported back to Inverness to get the very last train back to, to Aberdeen. Yeah, because when Duke scores over a kick, you think to yourself, another shithouse win on the roads, this time with a moment of absolute genius. This guy's fucking incredible, despite the fact we still don't actually know what he's capable of because he was coming off these cameo appearances every week. Um, and yeah, just uh, so frustrating. In a way, it kind of almost perfectly encapsulates the Jim Goodwin era at Aberdeen, doesn't it? Um, a huge blunder at the back to concede so late on. I think about four. I was just going to say that. I was four say different. It. I think four separate players contrived to slip or trip over themselves. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, that their equaliser was just literally like the shittest thing I think I've seen. <laughs> because the, everyone was just like falling over themselves. So the, the county players were like, "All, All right, right. <laughs> we'll tap it in then." Like it's geez. all it's just as well we can all look back and laugh about this, right? See if this was the goal that could like stopped us getting third or fourth, you know, you'd be like fucking raging. But in hindsight, pretty funny as it turned out. It is great <clears throat> in hindsight. I mean, I wasn't laughing at the time. I am laughing now though at how bad we were. Slap the Benny Hill theme music over that goal and it fits perfectly. It's all good. Anyway, right. Next you just up, needed someone getting hit in the face with a pie. True. Just to sort of finish that yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, another ball from the stand, you know, yeah. like no one threw it in. Hell, <laughs> yeah, just gets smashed <laughs> with a... Yeah. Because as well, we were kind of a bit stupid because we ran onto the pitch and I didn't. Well, we didn't. Some fans ran onto the pitch in the 88th minute when they Aberdeen th- had gone 1-0 up against Ross County and I'm going, come on. They, th- they thought it was over. <laughs> they thought it was over. It gave, it gave, it gave County extra time and then everyone fell over. <laughs> yeah, venison pies. Yeah. Though. The venison pies are good. 
Oh, they are great. Stargate Pie is the best. So I'll tell you what, for that reason alone, I'm not that disappointed about the fact that they've they've stayed up. Yeah. I mean, Park this had a good run, but it was it came to an end. This will work nicely for me because the in-laws are not that far away, so I could have, you know... Yeah, you just make mention, you did mention, but... Yeah. It's not all days. about you though, Gary. It should be Neil Doncaster. It's about, it's about another great away trip to the Mallard and drawing 1-1 with Ross County. <laughs> yes. Bring yes. it on. Cheers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, now, um, the game against Sevco is postponed due to, and I'm going to use my bunny ears here, reasons... Um, which was disappointing because, let's be honest, a lot of us had wanted to win that sweep about who would play Rangers the first game after the Queen died, but never mind. Um, they'd just been hosed 4-0 at Parkhead. They were also away to travel to Ajax in the Champions League where they shipped another four. Um, there was real expectation that Aberdeen could maybe take the three points against them, which would have heaped the pressure on uh, GVB and co. Instead, we had to wait another week to oh take... Oh God, I forgot he was there. I know. What a season. The cinch. Delightful. Um, <laughs> Michael Beale and his mole. Ali McBeal, as we like to kind of. He's got the more, he's got the most annoying accent. He really does, doesn't he? He yeah. belongs on. He sounds like he belongs on EastEnders. Or like the only way is Essex. Yeah, or one of those terrible like football hooligan films from the mid two thousands. Footballers' wives. Yeah. <laughs> Is he is he one of the wives or <laughs> I don't know what he is. But um I remember like being at the semi-final, which you're also gonna talk about in the in a future podcast. <clears throat> Thank you, Anthony Stewart. Um and uh, I was covering it for my work and I didn't go to the, the manager's press conference, I went to the players and my colleague went to the manager's one and I went to her, I was like, What is it about Michael Beale? I just don't like like there's something about him, like I'm like, I'm not quite getting it. Maybe it's the accent, and she was like, It is very English. And I was like, just just nailed is it, it. Is it the way he talks like this about how uh, my yeah, team? So I thought I thought my Rangers team were excellent today. Rangers are a great club, a real institution. You know, we've got to do this here for 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 the for the kit man and for, for the king and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a, very annoying. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really funny when he gets run out of Ibrox later this season um, or next season, very early in next season. Because that's yeah, never what happened. Of course, of course, Rangers are a good side. All I'm going to say is, like Graham and Gav and I, we're well known that Norwich is our our our, our team from down south, and the fact that they've signed. And I'm gonna uh, people can bookmark this now if they want to. I'm gonna put it out here: if you sign Kieran Dowell, thinking that that's a real statement signing, it really isn't. He's absolute fucking murder. Although I know he'll probably tear it up up here and post score a hat trick against us, and people are like, oh, you fucking idiots. Anyway, never mind. That'd be McBeal. But Ange's off. Ange's away. Ange's gone. He's off to Spurs. He's away. He's away to Cockland as well. Maybe Ange will start talking about that soon, or will he just be another annoying Australian in London? No, he'll just be another annoying Australian in London. Yeah. They're everywhere. They are, aren't they? Anyway, it's gonna be interesting who they are. They gonna get Neil Lennon back again? No, no. I'm just not going to do well in Spurs, by the way. I'm just putting that out there right now. That club is toxic. Whoever goes there is not going to do well. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, to be fair. But why would you not go? Uh, It's an interesting segue here. Let's do it quickly. If I was supposed to call, I wouldn't go. Really? I would would stay and try to improve. What more can you do at Celtic, though? You've done everything. If I was him, I would stay and I would try and keep, I would try and improve their European form this season. I reckon he'd get a better job than Celtic. Spurs 
right now, potentially. I think just going to work under Daniel Levy is just the most mental thing in the world. He might take Kyogo with him. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Um anyway, let's this isn't this is this isn't a Celtic state of mind. Let's, Sorry, let's that move was on. A, that was a tangent I went down. I'm apologies. It's, it's all right, it's no Mike, problem. All Michael Beale's fault. It's <laughs> Michael Beale, because you know it's Rangers and we now had to do things and we're gonna we're gonna build this season and we had a really good end of the season and yeah, anyway. Maybe I could could I get a job as a McBeal impersonator doing this? You're actually quite spot on, to be honest. Is is there much work from McBeal impersonators in the Northeast? I don't think, so. I don't think he's well liked outside of Rangers. <laughs> do I need to grow a mole? Maybe. Oh. Just draw it on. You <laughs> just draw it. Anyway. Right, let's um whew, here we go. Sorry, Shona, what's what's your knowledge of what's your knowledge of pro wrestling like, Shona? Pretty good. Love it. Is it is it excellent? Right, Graham's gonna like. Graham's, I just uh, tap out at this just, point. Uh, I like it though, Graham. It's good. You've got the terminology. I love it. It's difficult not to with you, pair. Not you, Shona, as in you, and Gavin. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, my first show. Thanks, Graham. <laughs> this is what you need. It's all, we'll come. Up, we'll we'll do a pro wrestling segue later on. It's great. It's like it's like Gav's not not here. It's brilliant. Love it. Um, right, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, we couldn't play Rangers because of reasons, in inverted commas, and we had to play uh, Hibs instead the following week. Um, Duke, with his first start for the club, we shifted to 4-4-2. Leighton Clarkson dropped out because Malky McKay is a big grass, as it turns out, as well as being a racist. So there's two check marks in the Malky McKay box. Um, Duke gets the Dons up and running. Early doors, a ridiculous header after four minutes. I think this header is overlooked because of how bad the game turns out to be, but it's a stupendously silly goal that he manages to score out of nowhere. Um, and despite the fact we kind of lived on the edge of touch, it looked like we were going to be all gravy going in at halftime until Ryan Porteous cons uh, BBC's Homes Under the Hammer host David Dickinson into awarding a penalty against Liam Scales. The scales then sees yellow for a second time. It's Holmes under the hammer what David Dickinson does. I thought he was bargain hunt. Oh, bargain I think it was hunt. bargain hunt. Or cash yeah. in the attic. He definitely did bargain hunt. Bargain did he hunt. not do um did he not also do um Antiques Roadshow for a while? There's no way they got him to do Antiques Roadshow, did they? I hope they did. I don't know. No, I think you are spot on. He did the antiques show. He <laughs> Graves looking up. Graves like nineteen ninety eight to two thousand. That is excellent knowledge. I'm a David Dickinson super fan. <laughs> he did Bargain Hunt. He had a short-lived The David Dickinson Show, which just has 2003 against it in Wikipedia. That's his soul Alan well. Partridge, doesn't it? Like... Dickinson's Real Deal from 2006. No end date, so i got to assume that's still running. Uh, and Name Your Price in 2017. So No one's in the hammer, though. No, no homes under the hammer, so okay. once again, Gary is wrong. Uh, it happens from time to time, I must admit. <laughs> Called Every Sunday. Yeah, every Sunday. Uh, Ryan Porteous manages to con the permatan David Dickinson into warning a penalty against Liam Scales. Scales sees yellow for a second yellow. Sees yellow for a second yellow. Scales sees yellow for a second time, leading to a red. Jesus Christ, Gary. Uh, Martin Boyle tucks away the penalty kick. Martin Boyle went back to Hibs and then he got injured. That was funny, I'd wasn't I'd completely it? forgotten about Martin Boyle <laughs> so until I was reading that. Because he went to, did he not go to Saudi or Qatar? Saudi, or... somewhere like that. And then he yeah. came back and he didn't even get through to January before he was injured, did he? No. That's pretty much after this, I think. Yeah, um, I've forgotten all about him. In a bizarre move, Jim Goodwin also made the decision to substitute Duke for Povara with literally seconds remaining till halftime. McCrory went into centre half 
a horror show of a second half, so uh, Josh Campbell scored a double. I'm really enjoying Shona's entirely quizzical look on the camera. It's amazing. Uh, Josh Campbell the double, which means the points remained in Leith. And in the aftermath, Goodwin managed to find himself on the receiving end of a lengthy ban for calling Ryan Portis a cheat. All in all, a horrendous day out in Edinburgh, something we'd come to say a lot later on in the campaign. Um, terrible performance all round. Do you think that this was a sign that Goodwin was maybe starting to feel the pressure a little bit? Because I think while a lot of us maybe agreed with the sentiment around Portis, it seems, and I'm being polite here, naive to come out and say it in the way that he did that to end up with a ban that he ended up with. Although I think the ban itself was excessive because it was a bit, you know, uh, was it an eight-game ban he got, I think, originally for this? It seemed a bit yeah, that for so. stating the obvious. I mean, we all know he's a cheat. I just don't think we need our manager to go, like, all guns blazing and be like, look, I can't do an Irish accent, I'm not going to attempt. Um, he's a cheat and you've been conned. You're kind of like, oh, it's not a good look. I, I would agree with that. You know it. Uh, and it's an easy one for the authorities because they won't, they never really take the appropriate action for a bad tackle or other shenanigans from other clubs. But that was an easy one for them to say, all right, we'll just give him a big ban. And it looks like we're taking these types of things seriously. It's a throw, I mean, apart from the fact I agree with it, it's effectively a throwaway comment. It's not really, it's not really I think it's that big a deal. So the ban was completely disproportionate to the alleged crime. Can we really say it changed the game? Maybe, but like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really. I don't know if it did. We were really riding a lot up until that point, I felt. Yeah, uh, I don't, yeah. I think like, you know, we should be beating a team that the manager said like a few weeks before that he brought in a sniper to make sure his strikers were scoring better. Oh, Lee Johnson. How, like, we're going to talk about the rest of the season later, but how did Lee Johnson <laughs> see the season out as his manager? How did that so, happen? I said weeks ago um, to Glenn Schroeder, I don't know if you know him, a big massive Dons fan, um, who I said, whoever loses the Hibs-Aberdeen game is sacked and that manager will finish the end of the season. I did not think that would be Lee Johnson. <laughs> I yeah. don't think you're alone in that. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, how he's, it, it, And he's got his team in Europe <laughs> after all that. Mental. Um, I almost beat Hearts of fourth. If they if they, if they could if they won that game I lasted in Derby. Although Hearts did tank, so that was quite fun. But it would have been the funniest thing in the world if Hibs I I, I was root for Hibs in the last game because I was like it would have been the funniest thing in the world if Hibs had finished fourth. After all that, it would have been really funny. The decision to hook Duke right before half time as well seemed overkill to me at the time because we were seconds away from half time. So why as a manager show your hand so early about what you're gonna do? Because all it did was allow Hibs to prepare over the halftime period for what was going to happen in the second half. I feel like if he, he was deciding to take him off, which he obviously was, he should definitely have waited until you go down the tunnel and then you come out for the second half and Duke's not there. That that would make, you know, Hibs be like, right, we have to respond to this within the pitch rather than going them going down the tunnel and being like, Yeah. All right, well, I mean man's off. Cool. And Povara's playing center in midfield. Who, I mean, who even is Paul Barra? Is he even still at the club? I have no idea. It, well, well, he's, he's on, on loan, loan to the Charleston Battery. Yeah. So you know he's good. The Battery got up. Well, we'll do a quick loan watch now. That's a good segue. I enjoy segues because we can't do loan watch as a full-blown segment anymore because, you know, it's not the main season. Um, or is the Barra... I agree with... I should, well, while you're uh, looking that up, I was going to say I agree with your point, even to the point of, like, just calm down. You know, a few minutes to half time. Maybe you have a think about it and maybe you make a different 
change. There's no real need to necessarily just knee-jerk and make that change when he did. Not necessarily criticising the change, but just give yourself some breathing space and have a think about it with the squad and what could we just do? Just don't give the other team 15 minutes to go, right, well, that's what they've done. Right, this is how we'll tackle that. Like, make them have to react to that. And Lee Johnson doesn't seem like the sharpest tool in the box. So, you no, know. No, he's definitely not. I mean, you know, he brought in a sniper to training. <laughs> just putting out there. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, like, he, maybe Duke did need to come off. I don't know why he came off, but I feel like as a manager, and this is what is kind of seeping in when I look back at the season, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's great, isn't it? Jim Goodwin is just maybe a bit naive in terms of management. Like, he is still quite young. He's only 40, 41, 42. He's relatively inexperienced, all things. Yeah, considered Not absolutely. to belittle his, uh, his career to date, but I suppose when you actually look back and you think about some of the things he did and some of the things he said, I actually didn't necessarily disagree with them. It's more, you why would you broadcast that? You know, you'd keep that in-house or you would keep it to yourself until you can move someone on and then you might come out and say why well, you've done it there's a few things he he said and a few things he did that just felt a little bit naive is probably probably the word that even if we go back to was at the start of the season but he was I sort of tail end of last season or the last season you know he's going around basically in the media saying like these guys won't be here and this that and the next thing and then obviously realized oh there's a few games left I might need to rely on some of them but other guys like Jet had obviously be like well if you don't need or want me, uh, I'm not interested. I'll just go and enjoy myself and then I'll get my payoff. You know, it was a bit, it's a bit daft actually the way he dealt with it. When he said it, I was kind of like, oh, that's actually pretty good that he said it. Like, you know, Jet's fat, essentially. And he's getting into training unfit. But then you, when you think about it, you're kind of like, wait, wait, you might need him. And you've just basically said he's fat and he's not fit. fit that was exactly it. I didn't agree. I didn't disagree with what he what he was trying to do or what, you know, didn't disagree with him, but I was just like, well, just suck it up because you have to get through the season. You you might need these guys for a game or two and he might do you a favour in a game or two and then you deal with it in the, the summer. But to basically just come out and throw them under the bus <laughs> to be when fair, actually I, you weren't that safe is a bit silly. To be fair, I think the two of you picked the worst example in the world for this one, a Jet, right? Because <laughs> if there's one thing I could probably say that Goodwin got right, it's probably the fact that Jet didn't really give that much of a shit, to be fair. I'm not saying... So, that we shouldn't have got rid of him. I'm just saying, <laughs> calling him and others out when you then actually realise you might need them uh, wasn't the smartest move, in my opinion. Remember the back of the season last year where Jet was still under contract to us and he was just sitting eating steak in Dubai yeah. and, and playing head football tennis with Anthony Joshua? What a fucking time to be alive. Again, though, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Um, but I feel like if you look at it, from like way back to when Goodwin was appointed and Barry had actually taken the team like all week and done the training and done like the match preparation. And then Jim Goodwin was like, no, I can't be a man that sits in the stands. So I'm taking the team and you're kind of, and he kind of shoved Barry to the side. When you look at it now, you kind of think like that's probably not the best move considering you then lost the game. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. You could have just sat that one out uh, and maybe taken the role in a slightly more, I don't know if what the right word is, gracious or whatever, but being a bit more respectful maybe to what your caretaker had been doing effectively and then pick up on the Monday, if you like, rather than just come in at the last minute, make a big song and dance about it and then have egg in your face. 
But then we wouldn't have had the slow motion video of him getting out of his car at Fir Park and, you know. But we would have had one at Cormac Park. We could have done it. If we've got the slow motion yeah. technology, we would have used it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'd have done it with your sound else. technology. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, Barry's got else. the last laugh, to be fair, so. True. <laughs> it's very partridge again, and I had the last laugh. Um, <laughs> right, where are we? Um, oh, we were talking about Dante Povara, weren't we? We were. Um, it's, by the way, Lone Watch next season is going to be rebranded as Lone and Away. Oh, I like that. Good, isn't it? Nice. Anyway. Um, yes, yeah, so he's on loan to... He's on loan to the Charleston Battery in the USL Championship. They go beat 4-0 by the Indy 11 this week. And interesting. I've never heard of the Charleston Battery. Are they like low, low leagues? Because I, I know the MLS teams. So the I think USL Championship is technically the league below MLS, but obviously there's no pyramid. So Charleston not helped by the fact that Leyland Archer was sent off in the first minute for them. So there we go. Hmm. I guess the Indy 11, uh, they are still top of the Eastern Conference, the Charleston Battery. So there you go. Lovely stuff. Memphis 901, Graham, you keep asking about Stephen Glass's team. They won again. They beat Miami FC 5-1 this week. So, wow, is he um is he actually got a winning record there? He does. Played ten badly, played he? ten, won five, he's got a fifty percent winning record. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Three games and three games in hand. Not over the... Any other job he's had before. <laughs> <laughs> three games in hand now against the Charleston Battery. So if he wins all three of them, he'll be three points clear of them. So there we go. Anyway, there we maybe maybe we got it wrong. Maybe Stephen Glass was the man. No, I didn't. No, wrong. Um, yeah, let's shut that one down now, Gary. We right, can... so after Hibbs, Goodwin's banned for like eight games, and I think he appeals it, which meant he was in the dugout for the following week, which saw Derek McInnes. Derek looks old these days, doesn't he? Bless him. He does look old. You know, remember when he first came in, you were like, ooh, Dilf. I didn't think that, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's the exact that. message we got from Gary. So what the yeah. hell? No, see, I know a lot of Aberdeen fans, right, don't like bearded Deke, right? Because he was clean shaven when he won the cup with us. I thought Bearded Deke was all right. Uh, I know a lot of people thought that Bearded Deke was where it all went downhill, but I, I was okay with Bearded Deke. Anyway. I think what, what, what went downhill was when he insisted on coming out of the dugout way later than the players. And the time at Dingwall, he was still coming out when County has scored. <laughs> that's as a man who's confident in his team. Oh, no, wait a minute. We've shipped one. <laughs> you, had business, you had business to attend to. His beard, apparently. His beard. Or I don't know some other alleged media rumors, but we won't go into that. Anyway, Deke's back at Petodre, and I think a lot of us had the fear, didn't we, at this point after what happened at Easter Road the week before. Um, although we didn't have to have any concerns at all, Aberdeen two goals to the good after just twenty-five minutes. Bajowin and then a penalty for Miofsky, and then Ash Taylor, who else um, pulled one back with a header. For the visitors, Miofsky with another just on half time, and then the points were wrapped up because Anthony Stewart scored his first goal for Aberdeen. All in and all, last. Well, no, we can't say that. Who knows? <laughs> you, you, are you trying to suggest that Bad Robson won't be forming a? a well, the fact that he shipped him out right after the semi final because he's shocking. I would say he does not want Anthony Stewart in his team. Sure, that's a shocking lack of faith in a man who's going to fire us to. He's, who's going to be standing with the Europa Conference League trophy? This time next season, mm. who, who, cost us a, who cost us the semi final? We'll come on to that. I think Andy Murray's got that as well. Andy Murray's gonna, Andy's gonna honestly. I was like looking at that in slow motion and I was going, Don't do it! And he did it. Yeah, it's one of these things. It's like you crash <laughs> your car on the ice, you can see the accident happening, you're just a passenger. 
and then there's the collision. You think, ah, oh, here we go. I, I I saw him doing it, and I was like, just don't. He's not going anywhere. And he obviously he can't hear me from this stand. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about that was right. And I don't want to spoil this for when Andy comes on, but my favorite thing about that entire thing was remember how he spent the pre-match build-up being like, ah, Cholak's a better player than Morelos, so we're not bothered. Was it that way around, or was it the other way around? I can't remember. He spent this week being like, ah, it's fine. I don't give a shit. Whoever yes, it is, it's that Morelos is rubbish, which is not wrong to be fair. And then I spent the entire week like watching every press conference Aberdeen did, like just through my hands, being like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And the worst thing about it was Stuart actually played okay in that semi-final. He did until then. And then there was that moment and you're like, why have you just done that? Like, on one hand it was funny. And then on the other hand it was just like, oh mate. He literally just come back from a red card as well. Yeah, it was just that moment like, what what are you doing? I'm like, he's all the way down the wing. There's nobody in the box. Why are you tackling him like that? Just don't give the referee the chance. Like Nick Walsh at that point is like, is VAR off? VAR's off. Right, cool. I've got free reign for the next 20 minutes while there's... um, The only time we've seen in Scottish football, and I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but here we are. The only time so far since the introduction of VAR in Scottish football that VAR mysteriously, the connection dropped, was in a League Cup semi-final where Rangers were not winning. And then Kent elbows... Who did he elbow in the face again? Scales, maybe? Liam Scales, I think. In the face. But VAR was off. Yeah, I just thought that Nick Walsh had to go for a shit to what happened because remember he ran off the pitch and no one knew what was happening because this is what I love about Scottish football they never think about the paying public right they never no, sit and go inconvenience. they never sit and go there's 55,000 people of course they do you can get via play for like 18 pound a month yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like no one at any point thought there's 55,000 people here wondering what the fuck is going on and why the referees just ran up the tunnel like <laughs> At no point did anyone sit and go, right, we'll just explain this to people. Anyway, we've still to come on to that. Um, Hayden Stewart. Uh, Hayden Stewart? I will be listening with intent. Anthony Stewart scores. <laughs> all in all, that Kilmarnock game, really comfortable afternoon's work at home. Uh, another healthy bunch of goals in the bank. That made it 15 goals in just four home games in the league at that point. Already our Jekyll and Hyde nature uh, of the season was starting to become more and more apparent. Now, my recollection of this one was that we played well but again retrospects 2020 Kilmarnock were honking that afternoon and their they away record in the league was honking all season they only won twice in the road all campaign the second of those came at Tund United in the second last game of the season and if I hadn't had too many beers I would have gone and played a Dund United song but I can't be arsed trying to make it work now um it's going to bring us now to naturally to the end of this part of our season review but after that Killy game, knowing we were heading for Tanadice next to face a United <laughs> side who had yet to register a win in the league, and no spoilers because Johnny Mayne and Beth Wallace are here next week to talk about this one. Shona, Graham, were you kind of feeling positive at this point about the season thus far? And then what could possibly come? I I think for me personally, I was like, oh, we're scoring a lot of goals, but we're still conceding a lot of goals. So, I mean, if we were finishing on next week, I would have said that, um, no spoilers, but that Stephen Glass had like infiltrated Jim Goodwin's body or like did the Scooby-Doo mask reveal thing and it was actually Stephen Glass underneath it the whole time. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess I was positive in a certain, it was nice to see that we were scoring goals, but it goes back to what I was saying before of like, I'm, I was still confused as to what Jim Goodwin wanted to 
wanted to achieve, but you know, they didn't achieve much. <laughs> well, you achieved quite a bit, as it turns out. Not that we wanted him to achieve, though. I kind of wanted him to achieve what he ended up achieving, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I felt something similar in so much as I, like, I enjoyed the Kelly game. I know debates about were they any use or not. It's kind of academic because you still got to beat them, scoring a few goals. I did quite enjoy it. Yeah, we were conceding, but I... You just enjoyed expect- shouting at Ash Taylor for the afternoon, didn't you, Graham? Well, obviously, I mean, that's what yeah. I paid my money for, but I was quite enjoying <laughs> the fact that it was much... We were more attacking and we were scoring goals, which is not what I was expecting under Goodwin. I thought we would have basically been nil-nils or we'd sneak a one-nil. So it was more exciting at home than I'd expected, but I was a bit alarmed at the number of goals. Partly the number, actually, but maybe more the manner in so much. Yeah, the just, manner, absolutely. It just felt like if you put the ball into our box actually you want us to try and have the ball because we'll fuck it up. You almost don't really need to do much. So that it was more the way we were conceding numbers, a bit worrying. But at that point, it wasn't total panic stations because the home games, by and large, had been decent enough in terms of goals and results that it did feel like, okay, I feel like scoring goals is harder. We had that bit. I was expecting the defence to get sorted out. So I was reasonably optimistic at that point. My brother actually calls Ash Taylor Gash Taylor. <laughs> I can't believe I've never used that. It's good. It's a solid nickname. It's <laughs> you know, it's great. That is a, that that has that started at his Aberdeen days and has continued and it's not stopped. I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. Um listen, that'll that'll wrap us up for for this portion of the season, which I feel Shoney's you've probably got the like the uh, lucky end of the stick. I mean, unless you win Unless you win the draw and you end up with the run-in, right, to the end of the season. This is about as good as the season was, right? So Yeah, yeah, you're right. I did get quite an all right, an all right one if you discard the Hibs and Ross County and Motherwell. And, and Motherwell, yeah. And Annan and Celtic. Yeah, great. I had a great one. <laughs> 50-50 is where we are with that one. Uh, we're going to see what happened later on. Uh, Shona, it's your time to plug the podcast. My podcast, yes. yes. Wow. It's a fantastic podcast. We talk all things NFL, if you're into NFL. So it's three girls, two, me, Scottish, one English girl, and um, one American. So there's there's two Brits, one 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 US, one American. I don't know how you say that. Uh, way cooler than I say. Anyway, I don't normally host. Um, <laughs> but we basically talk about the every week um, when the NFL's back. So we just recently done one on um, the draft and the season ahead, like the, the training camps. And then I think we're not going to be back for a while until, well, I'm getting married in three weeks. So I have a lot of things going on, um, but we're not going to come back until um, when the training camps like start, because rookie camps have started, but then the training camps come in where all the players have to come in. And then that's when the whole shebang goes, I'm not coming to training camp because I want to have a, get a deal type vibe. So it always gets exciting around June time. It's always great. It's always great. So listen, uh, where can we find, where can we find Ends on Scoop? We are on YouTube, so we actually do do a live video. Oh, brave. Yeah, so we do it through Spreaker. So we are live and we do it, and then you can watch it on YouTube afterwards um, of us on the camera. It's not, it's not, it's never good. I don't look great on it, but you know, I go with it. That's why we don't do the camera thing. Uh, come on then, who's your, who's your tips for this year? <laughs> for the Super Bowl this year? Yeah. Ooh. Well, not this God. year, it'll be next year, obviously, because, you know. 
yeah, sorry. The, but they do it weird. So they'll well, still I bet say, Marty McFly there for a minute. You're going to like try and They'll still say it's this season, even though it's next yeah. year. See what I mean? So they'll be like, oh, it's the 2023 season, but they want it in 2024. It's very confusing. It is, isn't it? American sport, know? man. It's just confusing full stop. <laughs> um. Oh, so definitely the Eagles, I think, will be there from the NFC. Um. They have drafted very well. And they were there last year, and they've also got a young quarterback, so they're kind of building around him. Um, so I reckon that they'll definitely be there or thereabouts. AFC is a toss-up because that division is insane. It's got so many good teams. Um, whereas the NFC is kind of like a team every year is really good, and then it kind of changes, but the Eagles will probably be back there. Um, the Chiefs will be there thereabouts, but the Bills the Bills just need to win a Super They lost four in a row, for goodness sake. Just let yeah. them win. No, 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 no. <laughs> Do you think uh, we'll see a bit more David Ajabo this season? Um, Potentially. Did maybe. he not get injured? He did. He was injured last season quite a bit, wasn't he? So I think yeah, it's interesting when yeah. he gets a bit, more, a bit more game time this season. We actually did Mr. and Mrs. at my handy, Um, And I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan. And my fiance thought that my favorite player was David Ajabo because he was from Aberdeen. And I was like, no, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm loving it. Seahawks all the way this season. Gav's an Eagles fan. Graham doesn't give a shit about American sports, so he's just like, whatever. He doesn't care. Why the Seahawks for you? I actually went to Seattle the year they won the Super Bowl. So well, that's as good a reason as any. Yeah, they literally sucked me in because it, they just literally won. I went in that summer. So they'd won in the February and I went in the summer and there was flags everywhere and like the big stadium and like just everyone was still essentially celebrating the fact they'd won a Super Bowl. So yeah, turns out Russell Wilson's a tit though. By the way, well, who uh, who who to thunk? <laughs> I just want the Seahawks because they remind me of seagulls, and because I'm an Aberdonian native, that seemed to me. Yeah, like well, they do they do have a they do have a uh, hawk who is yeah. their mascot. So you know, it's kind of you know, it's close enough. The Aberdeen seagulls, it's, it's what you want, you know. Like, it's what an Aberdeen NFL team should, an expansion team would be the Aberdeen the seagulls, seagull. obviously the seagulls, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm quite excited about Gino. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Let's see what goes on. Anyway, listen, Shona, thank you so much for joining us on the ABZFP. It's been slightly chaotic, but that's what it's all about on here. Um, part one of the 2022-23 season of you. And um, we'll get you back sometime to talk about something positive, maybe. Who knows? Oh, I loved it. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come back. Anyway, next week, we're going to be joined by Johnny Main and another broadcasting professional, um, Beth Wallace. Who's going to take us from that game at Tanadice right the way through to the World Cup break? Johnny's already warming up for this one. He's back digging out his tweets from October last year to see what he thought about Jim Goodwin. Um, we'll <laughs> see you then next week. All the very best. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.